I'm shook. Welcome to the Holly Shook Podcast. I'm Armin, and I'm joined, as always, by my favorite co-host, Ryan Alkair. How are you, Ryan? I'm good, Armin. How are you doing today? How do you feel about that? I just dubbed you my favorite co-host. I know. Well, I've been waiting. It's only been like a year and a half of doing this. And I have some legendary co-hosts. Camille, Eddie, Kevin. Oh. There's some great ones out there, and you made it to the top of the list. I mean, legendary is a pretty generous like way to describe them, but um, yeah, I would say finally being your favorite, it only took a little while. Um, I think you're a little bit late <laughs> with that, but I appreciate it nonetheless. I feel like it is well-deserved, um, and I'm just like really humble about it too, which is good. You're always humble. I mean, I just like know what I deserve, and I know what's like true. Um, favorite... <laughs> Legendary, iconic, um, hilarious, and humble. Those are usually like really common things to describe me um, with friends and strangers alike. So Yeah, all the typical superlatives that we use for Rye. Just the, the icon, the legend. The, always the, <laughs> the one and only. You're not too bad yourself. Am I your favorite? You're my favorite person that I do a podcast with. <laughs> And Hyper-specific. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, we were on a bit of a hiatus. I do want to mention that thanks to all the listeners who shouted us out and said, hey, where's the podcast? We need you guys back. But we're finally here. We won't go on that long of a hiatus again, at least not for a while. We'll let you know beforehand. But we're back. Actual, like, people actually noticed that we were gone for a week. I was like, oh, God, I'm flattered. Because, <laughs> like, I, I mean, none of my friends gave a shit. So I was like, okay, well. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry about that, you guys. Some out of control, out of our control things occurred. Technical difficulties. It happens. There's a lost podcast out there, people. Yeah, I was like, we actually did record a podcast. <laughs> but then... Something went wrong. I don't I don't get the technical side of things, y'all. I just plug in the mic and show up. Armin does all the tech stuff. But yeah, I guess something happened. So now there's maybe like down the road when we have a million dollars to recover it, we'll release the last episode of Holly Shook that has n- never been heard before. That's an important note, people. We were not neglectful. We did it. We showed up. It just didn't work out for us. You could blame me. Blame Armin. I did nothing wrong. I actually had a really great commentary and it was like one of my best um, podcasts, but I guess Armin got a little jealous of like how good I was in it. So he um, messed it up on purpose so that no one could like be like, oh my God, Ryan, like, how'd you know? Or it's just him. But I I thought I did a good job of hiding that. You could totally see through that. Pretty obvious. I think anyone would have been able to tell too. So maybe it's a good thing. That it's lost. But it was a good podcast. That would have been fun. Sad, sad days. It was a good one. And I've already decided I'm going to keep that scandal in my back pocket. It will be released someday if we have to record it or not. So I'm going to wait a while, though, because Rye just heard it. So the details are fresh in his head. Yeah. And it was one that I literally had no like knowledge on, really. it was. It's part of like... um a universe, I guess, that I'm not well adversed with. So I was like, really, I felt like I learned a lot in that process. Um, So hopefully one day we can bring it back because that was fun. (laughs) I actually think today's 
topic is more up your alley. You may be way more aware of this topic. Okay. Yeah. So should we start playing the guessing game? Guessing game. (laughs) Wait, before we get into it, Rai, can I just quickly say, everyone, if you love this podcast, you listen to us, and you were missing us during the hiatus, can you give us five stars on iTunes, please? Please. It's the least you can do. We'd really appreciate it. It helps out so much. And a review, if you want. Um, Yes, a review, please. We got some interesting reviews on there, so... um, Keep adding to the to the repertoire. They're fun to read. Okay, so back to the scandal. Rai, like I said, I think this is more in your universe. I think you know about it. It's very relevant right now, even though it's an older scandal. It took place in the late 90s, early 2000s, but the topic has had a bit of a resurgence. Okay. It has to do with a pop star. Okay. Britney Spears? No, but that's a good guess. A pop star. Lady Gaga? No, she wasn't relevant then. She just released a new album. Oh my god, Mariah Carey? Yes. Ew! Wait, what's her scandal? So Mariah's had a few different scandals throughout her life. On New Year's Eve? That was good. That's one. Different relationships. I'm going to focus on one specific scandal. But we could build up to it. Okay. Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. And I'll say this. She really isn't necessarily the instigator of the scandal. In fact, it's an ex. But we'll Uh-oh. get into it. Okay. So I don't want to make this a breakdown of Mariah Carey's life. Right. We could do like a five-part series on Mariah Carey, I feel like, one day. This is going to focus much more on like a specific sliver of her life. Like, obviously, she's an icon. One of the most legendary voices in music history. Right. So she deserves a whole lot of podcasts. So oh. I'm not going to dive too deep like into her ascent to stardom. But I should probably give it like a little breakdown, right? Just the gist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we like we get... Everyone's, um, you know, aware of her career and how she became such a star. We but know Mariah. Like, like the basics is good. So here's the basics. Her debut album, Mariah Carey, drops in 91. She's an instant hit. Wins Best New Artist at the Grammys. Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Uh, She reaches the top of the charts, top of the Billboard 200. She's on the Billboard Hot 100 for like four different singles. And she has the best-selling album. That's her debut album in 91. Same. Instant success. Are you a Mariah fan, by the way? I mean, like, I like her. I've never been, like... I've never, like, listened to, like, every song by her ever. You know? Like, I knew her songs, but then I think, like... Because I wasn't even born yet in 1991. So, like, I think when, like, Emancipation of Mimi came out, which was, like, more, like, I think middle school, high school for me, I was really into, like, that phase of her. But, like, obviously I know, like, all her hits from, like, the past. That's the album I remember most, too. Yeah. Like, that was, like, our generation, like, when she was, like, when we were old enough and she was huge. I'm not, like, on the same level as Lady Gaga or Britney Spears, like... Dixie Chicks. Dixie Chicks. You love your Dixie Chicks. Their whole discography, you know. (laughs) But I do appreciate some... I appreciate some Mariah Rye. 
Ew, Mariah, not calling her that ever again. So apologetic. No, please keep doing that. No, I refuse. That was so gross. Is that like a riff on Riri? No, it was like, it just came to me out of nowhere. But then it's also kind of like my nickname, like that my parent, my dad and like grandpa called me was Rai Rai. So now it's like Aww. weird. It's like, I feel weird about that whole moment. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> um. We're going to keep that in the podcast. No uh-huh. edit. <laughs> but basically, Mariah continues to be super successful. Her next album, Emotions, it wasn't as critically successful or even commercially, but still sells millions of copies globally. Third album, Music Box, immensely popular. Uh, you may know the song Hero off that album. Heard it, heard it. That's one of her most popular songs of all time. And by the way, she's basically doing this back to back to back. 91, 92, 93, 94 is when she releases the famous Merry Christmas album. Oh, my God. I just got chills thinking about that song. 95, she releases Daydream. A lot of people feel like that could be her best album from a technical perspective. She's very prolific in a very short span. I mean, and the prolific production continues, by the way. It doesn't stop in 95. She keeps producing albums i think she produces like nine albums or eight albums in a 10-year span it's ridiculous artists behave in a totally different way today there's a lot less quantity i guess in favor of quality although mariah was still high quality but it's a totally different game in the 90s it kind of reminds me of speaking of riri rihanna like i remember after her debut album came out like pond replay and like um that other song umbrella she, huh not umbrella that was later um faithful unfaithful or whatever anyway i don't know but she released like i feel like she released an album a year for like four years but they were all so good it wasn't like just throwaway albums so i feel like it's very rare that an artist can do that and still be successful and not be like overexposed and it's definitely not the mo anymore like you look at an adele and the time she puts into every single album. And she has an yeah. album album release every few years now. Right. But definitely not every single year. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So, and to be good, I mean, just like statistically, every song is not going to be a hit. So like, it's a, almost a risk to do that much, I feel. Because it's like, how many good songs can you actually create that quickly? But some people can do it, I guess. And when your voice is so like extremely... I mean, her voice was unique when it came out. That's why she was so big, Mariah Carey. So people wanted more, I guess. She's known to have a five-octave range, which is crazy rare. So random. Like, some of the best singers, apparently, in history, I was looking this up, don't have a five-octave. Like, three and a half is impressive. Four is impressive. But very few singers have a five-octave range. But she does. Yeah, it's incredibly disturbing almost i'm like how did you do that <laughs> she goes so high i'm like this is like dog whistles like only my dog can hear this but it's interesting you said the whole thing about like not every song could be good and that's kind of why all of her initial albums have mixed reviews but i think that's what recording companies tried to do it's like let's just milk a star for what they're worth and like just see what sticks like if we just make an album every year there's bound to be like two or three hot singles every single year and that was the game back then now yeah. i think it's a lot more about being like tight 
and having a stronger album that could be like more everlasting than like let's just put something out there and like try to grab the two or three big singles to hit on the radio. Yeah, like personally, I hate when like an artist released like four singles before the album and then the album comes out and then it's like, well, I've already heard a third of this album because you released all the singles and like the singles were the best part of the album. So now it's like, what's the point of the rest of this album? Like, there isn't like a cohesive narrative. Yeah, I hate that. It's like, give me like one single like three months before, then do like one more single like a month before, and then give me an album and like make it good. Because like I want to listen to like 12 songs like back to back. I don't want to have to like skip them. It's like annoying. So that was kind of like the game in the 90s, but that's not the scandal. You would think that's the scandal, but that's not the scandal. <laughs> that was so scandalous though, releasing four albums. <laughs> So we'll backtrack a little bit. Around 93, she began dating music executive Tommy Mottola. They got married on June 5th, 93. Now, here's what's a little scandalous. He was actually the head of Sony Music. He actually helped launch Mariah Carey's career. She handed him her demo tape. So that's a little bit strange, right? That power dynamic. He's the head of the production company that's producing her music. Matola, you may also know, he helped launch Celine Dion, Shakira, the Dixie Chicks, Destiny's oh Child. The Dixie Chicks will always be relevant in Holly Shook, I've decided. <laughs> Every episode has to tie back to them. <laughs> we'll find a way. Mm-hmm. So he is actually himself a pretty iconic figure in the music industry. He had a big impact he did a lot of things for music, and uh, but their relationship was was a pretty big deal. So they get married in '93. However, their relationship quickly disintegrated, and they would actually separate in '97. Okay, they had a good run in Hollywood. That's not bad. Like four years. That's not bad. We're like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> now, since then. And I'll get into the scandal specifically, but since then, Mariah and Matola have talked about the relationship, and it's a little controversial because Mariah has described it in a, in a way that makes it appear a little abusive, not necessarily physically, but emotionally. Okay. She would describe their home as Sing Sing, the prison. Oh, what? Because he wouldn't allow her to leave. Oh, my God. Okay. I don't know what that is, but wow. Here's a quote from her. She said, It felt like suddenly I had a strict father. With Tommy, it felt like I had this controlling situation where I wasn't allowed to be myself. And there's a lot of different quotes like that. She that described like, him as Svengali. Oh, like, yeah. it's not It's not good. It's, it's kind of ugly. Okay. Sad. And he himself actually admitted to being controlling. In his memoir, Hitmaker, he said, If it seemed like I was controlling, let me apologize again. Was I obsessive? Yes. He then goes on to say, But that was also part of the reason for her success. Oh, God. Classic man. (laughs) Of course, he thinks that whatever he did was the reason for her success, not her incredible voice. Or the fact that she actually went and pursued a singing career. It's not like he discovered her. If I didn't control every single thing she did and abuse her and make her 
hate her life and keep her prison in her own home, she like wouldn't even be famous. So you're welcome, Mariah and world. That's basically how he illustrates it. It's that like he kept her on track. He kept her working hard. He kept her in the studio. Mm, good for you, man. I'm over him already. So he even admits, he says, the problem was that I was the chairman of Sony and her husband at the same time. She grew resentful. Things got more difficult and tense by the day. Um, yeah, anyone could have told you that from the freaking second you guys met. Oh, you're a president of my record company, but also I'm married to you? This sounds healthy. In his memoir, he actually says his therapist tried really hard to convince him not to date Mariah Carey. His therapist was like, this is a terrible idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, my God. Listen to your therapist, people. Hashtag listen to your therapist. <laughs> it's been a while since we've come up with like a PSA. You know how we used to do the PSA thing? I feel like this could be a PSA. Listen if to you your therapist. Listen to them because that's their job. And they predicted this whole freaking disaster. Knew Oops. what was up. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> He also admitted that it was absolutely wrong and inappropriate to become involved with her. So it's weird. There's this like tension between how he views things. Like he can't really reconcile the idea that he really wasn't good for her. And the fact that like it also wasn't a good relationship because he's like, well, I'm the reason for her success. But also like it was a terrible relationship. Well, I don't know if those two things compute, but okay, we'll get to the scandal here. The reason for her success, but... (laughs) Okay, still stuck on that. His book is called Hitmaker. He likes to give himself a lot of credit. Now, can we deny the fact that he had a big hand in helping launch people's careers? No, but they have to be talented too. Right, like, you can't just, like, take a rat on the street and turn it into a royal princess. I don't know, but, like, (laughs) there's more to it than you just being like, hey, like, release this album. Like, they have to be good and talented. Like, and also be like a star. Like, it's about them. Like, I don't know. Lots of people are talented, but they're not like superstars. Like, Mariah Carey is a superstar. Right. She has like a star essence, a star quality to her. Yeah. Like, she has the it factor in herself. Not like he's not like telling her how to be famous and how to be like attractive to people. Right. She just produced an album or something. Yeah, he, like, helped with promotions and, you know, helped with the marketing and whatnot. Yeah, I'm so sick of people taking credit for hardworking female artists and saying that it's their freaking like, fault that they're famous. Step aside, Tommy Matola. Now, Rye, here is where you're about to be pissed. If, you're, if you are already pissed at what you've heard, things I'm are about lit- to get crazy. I'm straight up livid. You can't tell by the emotion in my voice. So have you heard of glitter? Have I heard of glitter? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I've heard of glitter. The way you said that. Well, earlier you said you weren't totally up on Mariah's discography, so I felt like I had to ask the question. Well, it's not like I know every freaking word to every, like, song. I've never seen glitter, but I, like, know the essence of glitter. So glitter... If y'all don't know, it was a movie that came with a accompanying soundtrack album. So a film and album by the same name. Think A Star Is Born, but bad. 
<laughs> That's actually a great way to describe it. Thank you. Because this, the plot line is kind of similar. You know, a young singer ascending to fame. It's a similar plot line in a way. It's not as focused on a Jackson Maine type character, but... Yeah, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. Well, <laughs> loosely similar. A star was born in the film Glitter. Let's put it that way. Sure, yeah. Some type of star was essentially created, but okay. So Mariah starts working on Glitter, both the film and the album, in 1997. Two important things. One, still kind of in the midst of a relationship with Tommy Mottola, but also she is still under contract with Columbia Records, which is a part of Sony. So Columbia Records at the time is actually pressuring her to work on other projects. So she can't really focus on glitter. And she does a compilation album. She does another studio album, her seventh studio album in eight years. Standard. And by 2000, 2001, she's able to complete her contract with Columbia Records. However, Glitter is still a Sony film. These are just important details to know. Okay. And Sony owns Columbia. Yes. But the film is going to happen with Sony, but the Glitter soundtrack album is going to be released with a new company. But she hasn't yet signed on to a new company. Oh, shit. Okay. So she's actually like the biggest... One of the biggest artists, free agents of all time. And everyone like wants it, basically, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone wants Mariah. At this time, she was the most prolific music artist in the 90s. She sold the most albums. I believe she sold the most albums. And she had a bunch of accolades, like whether it was Grammys or or being named like the the best artists of the 90s and whatnot. Like she, she was a superstar through and through. All thanks to Tommy Mottola. (laughs) Not. (laughs) But we'll get to her signing on to a new recording label. For now, let's go to her working on Glitter. So, she's starting to focus back on Glitter in 2000. In top secret as well. She went through great lengths to protect the secrecy of her work prior to the release because she was paranoid. And we'll see if she had a right to be paranoid. She's paranoid because, remember, she's filming Glitter under the purview of Sony. And Tommy Mottola, being the head of Sony, still has access, potentially, right, to her material. And she is worried, for whatever reason, about her music. Because she doesn't want it, you know, stolen, right? Right. So is she afraid that Tommy Mottola is going to steal it? Potentially. Okay, so... <laughs> For whatever reason, she was already going through great lengths. You can see where this is going to end up. <laughs> she wasn't wrong. I'm starting to piece it together, yeah. She was already, like, doing all sorts of things, creating, like, dupe songs and having, like, different people sing different songs. She was trying to protect her work. Now... Trying to protect Glitter. Mariah was recording a song called Lover Boy, and she herself wanted to sample this song called Firecracker. She chose the sample. Like, she wanted it. She found it somehow. So this isn't like some producer comes to her with the song. Like, Mariah Mariah worked on the lyrics based on Firecracker being the sample, right? Okay. 
However, in January 2001, months and months before the release of Glitter, Jennifer Lopez released her second album titled J-Lo. Oh shit, J-Lo's getting involved? Okay, hey girl. J-Lo is a central figure in this. Damn, so random. That is a twist I did not see coming. (laughs) She is still Jenny from the block, that crazy bitch. Her song, I'm Real, uses the exact same sample. Oh my god, uh, I love that song. So here's the thing. Prior to this, no one had ever sampled that song before. So it's like, hmm... Kind of a coincidence. Mariah's been working on this song, trying to sample Firecracker, and all of a sudden, Jennifer Lopez has the inspiration to use the exact same sample, even though nobody had ever done it before. Curious. Very curious. So according to the publishers of the original song, Firecracker, Mariah Carey called to license Firecracker first. Within one month, Jennifer Lopez also calls for it. Hmm. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Is Timmy Motorola involved in this? <laughs> Timmy Motorola! Timmy <laughs> Motorola. I have a feeling that he has something to do with this. Can we just rename him Timmy Motorola for the rest of the podcast? That's his name. I don't know why you're so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> So Timmy Motorola, a.k.a. Tommy Matola, a.k.a. Tom, a.k.a. Mr. Matola, was actually Jennifer Lopez's right-hand man. Not really right-hand man, actually basically played the same role in her career as he did for Mariah Carey, as he did for all of the other artists I named. Oh my god, I can't believe the reason J-Lo's famous is because of frickin' Tommy Jula Bola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tommy Matola was not only obviously in charge of cultivating J-Lo, but he actually had a special interest in her. Mariah speculated, I even watched some E! News clips where they speculated that Tommy Matola was especially invested in Jennifer Lopez because he was trying to get back at Mariah Carey. Okay, wait, so rewind for like two seconds. All of this is after they broke up. Yes, they break up in 97. We're now in the year 2001. Okay, okay, okay. So then, like, I'm assuming by all of this drama that their breakup was not one that went smoothly. Well, yeah, like I said, Mariah Mariah felt like he was controlling. And he was obsessed with her by his own admission. And... He wanted her always around, and she wanted to have a life, I guess. You know, this is all after the fact. We'll never know the truth of what really happened, right? But she felt like she was in Sing Sing. I mean, that's not great. I still didn't even know what that was until right now. But um, so, okay, so then just one more clarification for me and for all of our listeners who are just as slow as me. Um, is he still in charge of her career at this time? No, so Mariah was already gone from Columbia at this point. That's why I mentioned she was a free agent. So she hadn't yet signed a new record deal. So she's more so just trying to be secretive and hide her stuff just like for extra precautions because... Because she's worried that Tommy is vindictive. Yeah, and like people in the industry chat and like she's afraid he'll get a hold of it somehow. Because the film Glitter is still a Sony picture. 
picture. Because it's under Sony's umbrella for film. Right. So okay. it's yeah. a, it was a weird thing where the film itself I, was going to be released as a Sony film, but the yeah. album was going to be released under her new record label. Yeah. No, I am fully on the same page now. I kind of blacked out when you mentioned J-Lo because I was really <laughs> involved in this. It's a weird twist, I admit. I was shocked too. Now I'm back on the same page with you guys. All right, J-Lo is still here. Got so it. Cool. the subjective analysis in this moment, we've never you know, heard like an oral history that totally clarifies this, but my subjective analysis is that Tommy Mottola was pitting Jennifer Lopez against Mariah Carey, which isn't unusual in the music industry, especially right. between female vocal artists to try to pit one against the other. It happened all the time. Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, right? Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. Yeah, it happens happened. all Make- the time. It's really actually kind of disgusting. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's the beauty of celebrity scandals is we get to decide what actually happened for ourselves. What do we think happened? Well, there was even one E! News clip I watched where they talk about how Jennifer Lopez's look seemed to be modeled after Mariah Carey's, like down to the hair and the look and the clothes. Classic female pop stars. So Tommy Mottola in his hit maker mode is trying to make another hit, make another star, right? He likes to give himself credit. All right, we'll give you a little bit of credit. Yeah. But here's what we do know. Tommy Mottola knew that Mariah was sampling Firecracker and worked to ensure that J-Lo would sample the exact same song and release it before Mariah so that Mariah wouldn't be able to use the same sample and would be screwed over and have to rework an important song, not just for her album, but for the film because the songs would appear in the film. Shady ass bitch. So he was this vindictive guy. Yeah, it's just, like, mean because that actually affects a lot more people than just Mariah. Like, it's all the people who, like, helped with the movie and, like, helped record the soundtrack. Like, now they have to, like, re-figure out, like, what to do with that part of the movie. It's just, like, what's the point? You think that'd be beneath him, right? It's like, you're a very successful head of a company, a global company that makes billions of dollars, and you're trying to go after an ex? It's middle school shit. Middle school shit. It's like if middle schoolers were billionaires and had global influence. Like, this is what would happen. (laughs) Never give middle schoolers global influence, people. Yeah, like, thank God I didn't have billions of dollars when I was 12. (laughs) Would you you be the Tommy Mottola of middle school? Yeah, I would have, like, found out what the popular kid was doing in the talent show and, like, made myself first in the lineup so that I ruined it for them. (laughs) That would be like my petty way of doing this. So it's not over. Mariah. I would hope not. Yeah. Is also producing a song with Ja Rule at the same time. Actually, in the summer of 2000. This just got so early 2000s. I love it. It's called If We. And somehow, Tommy Mottola found out about this too. Now enters Irv Gotti. Irv Gotti is the founder of Murder, Inc. He's also a record executive. Well, he's a record executive for Murder, Inc. He's a producer. Okay. He said on the Deezus and Marrow show just last year that, and actually I'll read this whole quote for you because it's kind of a funny quote. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. This is Irv Gotti. 
So Tommy Matola calls me at like 6 a.m., 6 to 7. It was obscenely early. And he calls me because he found out me and Ja Rule made a record with Mariah Carey. And at the time, he hated Mariah Carey. So he was pumping Jennifer Lopez to compete. So he calls me at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what's up, Tom? What the fuck you want? He says, Irv, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what's up? So Matola says, I need you to make a record with J-Lo, but I want you to put Ja Rule on it and make it a duet kind of record. He knows we just did this shit with Mariah, which was a duetty record, and he was trying to fuck Mariah. Oh my God, I could dissect that quote from start to finish. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. First off, obscenely <laughs> early, 7 a.m. Um, <laughs> how obscene. <laughs> Answering the phone with what the fuck you want is the new way that I'm answering every phone call I get. And also, how many fucking, how hot of a commodity was Ja Rule at this point? I forgot how relevant he was in the early 2000s. He was a hot commodity. That they're like, he had his moment. Ja Rule had his moment, Rye. Don't forget it. No, I, I did forget it until right now. And now I'm like, oh my God, yeah, Ja Rule was on every single freaking song I've ever heard in middle school. I just had like a flashback. Oh my gosh, I'm having PTSD about how much Ja Rule was in my life. Oh my gosh. Okay. Back on track. Honestly, Irv Gotti, my new favorite person on earth. <laughs> so I guess Irv Gotti is the one person, by the way, who does kind of clarify that Tommy Matola was building up JLo to compete with Mariah. Because earlier I did say that we don't really have an oral history of that, but Irv Gotti is the one person who kind of gives us that nugget. Thank God for Irv Gotti, honestly. <laughs> Without him. It would be nothing. He, he's a central uh, figure in this story in a way because he helps to kind of undermine Mariah, even though it wasn't really his plan and, and he wasn't the instigator. It's all, it always goes back to Tommy Matola, but he did play along, unfortunately. He does he goes, play along. So he goes along with the plan and gets J-Lo a song with Ja Rule. Yeah, so they actually remix I'm Real with Ja Rule, and they reissue J-Lo's album, J-Lo, uh, to contain that remix. Mm. But they reissue it a week after Loverboy was released, so it could overshadow Mariah Carey's first release under her new record label. And I'll, I'll explain her new record label and that whole deal. But basically, yeah, so on July 16th, Loverboy was like, the first lead-off single from the Glitter album. And less than a week later, or eight days later, actually, Jennifer Lopez has that reissued album with the Ja Rule remix. Jeez Louise. Just so they could try to ruin Mariah. Um, can I just confirm? Um, we're talking about... Because I'm real. So iconic. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Great song. Remix, though? The way you yep. Okay. That's the remix. Ooh, you guys, wow. Okay. This is a very monumental moment in music history. You are blacking out just keep around every out. corner. I just like, I didn't realize how like monumental this whole scandal would be because that is... It's like your childhood, song. right? That is a song of our generation. So without this like drama, we would have not gotten that. 
Yeah, but it causes a lot of emotional and psychological damage to Mariah. All right, well... I'll take the song. I'll take the song. Yeah, it's not my fault. (laughs) I didn't know that every time that I played it on my freaking hit clips. You should feel culpable. It's partially your fault. I do feel kind of bad now. (laughs) But I'm sure she's over it by now, so it's fine. Is I'm Real with Ja Rule now canceled? Have we canceled that song? No, in fact... Remember when we did Dixie Chicks and that was all I listened to for a week? The only song I'm going to listen to this week is Because I'm real And I can go without you I love that song. Okay, cool. It's going on my Spotify playlist. Okay, let's backtrack a little bit. Like I mentioned, uh, the release of J-Lo's album or the reissuing of her album happens in July. The first single, Off Glitter, uh, is released in July. But let's backtrack a little bit because... Mariah makes a major career move in April of 2001. So on April 3rd, 2001, Jeff Leeds of the LA Times reports that Mariah Carey signs a four-album contract with Virgin Records worth an estimated $80 million. Oh, my God. Okay. It's one of the biggest ever awarded to any artist. Okay. Stressed. Big commitment. It's like $20 million per album. Yes, that is the math. Good job. Proud of you. Figured that one out all on your own. 80 divided by four. By four. It's $20 million per album. She would also receive a 25% royalty on the retail price oh of God. each record sold. It's an Do absurd that. deal. <laughs> that is a lot. So every album that she sold, she would get 25% of that? Yep. So like an album back in that day was what, like 12 bucks? So that means she's getting like three bucks an album. But times a million. Okay, cool. So Yeah, you multiply that by a few million. She would she would sell upwards of twenty million copies globally sometimes. Right. Depending on the album. Holy sheezers. So stack an extra sixty mil on top of the twenty mil. Yeah. That's eighty mil per album. <laughs> And this has been Math with Ryan and Armin. (laughs) Check in next time. Another note, her relationship with Luis Miguel ends around this same time, during the summer of 2001. They were dating for three years. Their relationship ends. It's, It's important to note because it's going to contribute to what's about to happen in Mariah's life. Probably. Probably plays a small role. So she was dating him. He wasn't, like, married or anything. No. He was a random. Okay, cool. So let's go back to the Loverboy release. So a few days after Loverboy was released, as I mentioned, you have J-Lo's I'm Real remix premiering. Do not get me back on that. Okay. (laughs) Oh, you're going to be back on that. And this is when Mariah Carey has her infamous TRL meltdown. Oh my god, yes. If y'all listening aren't aware, what happens is is that there's a normal taping of TRL and actually Carson Daly premieres the I'm Real remix and then the song plays and then he's outroing it and leading into commercial. However, while he's wrapping up the segment, Suddenly, you hear Mariah Carey singing off screen. <laughs> and it's immediately clear that this is not planned because 
Carson Daly looks mortified. Oh my god, yes. Mariah strolls in with an ice cream cart. Oh my god. It's super bizarre. Carson is shocked. I wrote down a few of the things he said. He said, you've got to be kidding me. I was just going to commercial. <laughs> he, he goes on to say, what are, you, what are you talking about? What are you doing here? He has oh no God. idea why Mar- Mariah's there. In fact, nobody knew why she was there. She was not scheduled to appear. Oh, my God. My queen. But if you're, you're aware of the history behind the song I'm Real, then you can kind of deduce why she did that. She's passed. So she jumps on stage and tells Carson she has a present for him. And she's actually wearing this like oversized t-shirt that says Loverboy. Oh my God. And she starts taking it off and she gives the shirt to Carson. She's wearing like a tank top underneath, but she takes <laughs> off this shirt and Carson's like, oh, you're stripping for me? Like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> oh, I hate this. She even says at one point, actually, you're my therapy session, Carson. Oh God, this is so problematic. Okay. A PSA. Few- therapist even if it's carson daly (laughs) this is the psa of the day everyone listen to your therapist a few days later mariah goes to a promotional event at the fye music store in garden city new jersey and the media is there and she's sort of behaving erratically she's rambling on about haters and this and that and, and it's really weird so on july 25th so now this is all this is all after the release of J Lo's remix, the multiple strange public appearances, and the media claiming that Mariah Carey's first EMI record single was a flop because remember, Loverboy has already been released. It's I believe her first leadoff single to not reach number one. Oof. Now, mind you, it reaches number two. And for anybody else, that's a huge success, right? But for Mariah, who had unreal expectations it was deemed a failure right so on july 25th mariah actually checks herself into a hospital in new york for treatment of extreme exhaustion that was a big moment the media got on her they hounded her her spokesperson told the associated press quote unquote she has suffered an emotional and physical breakdown. She is under psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. And the media pounced on that and they mocked Mariah and they kind of just made her into a laughing stock. Right. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, classic media, honestly. Like, just because someone's famous doesn't mean that they can't have like mental and, you know, physical health problems. I don't know why we have to make fun of it and make a joke out of it as if that helps. So yeah, it's like Britney Spears meltdown in like 2007. Right. Like that's actually a very scary like thing that happened, but we like joke about it still to this day. Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. In 2013. It's not funny, but because these people are kind of like put on a pedestal and they're characterized almost like we don't look at celebrities as real people a lot of the time. So when a real life thing happens to them, it's like not, I don't know, it doesn't compute with us that it's like actually a serious problem. So, and the media doesn't help. I mean, we could go on and on about the problems with how the media reports things in general, but it makes me sad, especially because I'm sure 
she had this breakdown because she was like pissed off and like stressed. Like she like was putting all this work into this project and trying to make it this huge thing. And she just got totally fucked over by like privileged white men essentially who were like, no, we don't want you to do well. So we're going to like just take all your work and like try to mess it up essentially. Yeah. She was under extreme emotional duress. And she was not being paranoid, as people would later suggest, and we'll go into that. And I want to talk a little bit more about the media and our general societal perspective on mental health. So we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I think it's fair to say, and I know it's a cliche, but the media loves to build people up and then ultimately tear them down. But they also love a good comeback. So they'll build you right back up. But there is always seemingly that teardown moment. It's It's cyclical. It sells, so like, you know, people want to know what's wrong with Mariah Carey, so anyone's going to report on it and try to make it as interesting for the public so that they sell copies or whatever of their publication. And it's a capitalist society, y'all. They hate a clean upwards trajectory. They hate that. Yeah, like it's boring if it's just like, Mariah hits number one again. Good job, girl. Like, no one cares. Like, okay, cool. That's just standard. We want the juicy drama. And she was vulnerable in this moment because she's going through career changes, life changes, like two major breakups in the last few years, a new record deal. I think people were kind of juiced up. They were ready to take her down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also been publicized the whole time. So like people feel like they're a part of it because they read about it every day. So when it, breaks down they want to like also be updated on it even though we don't own them we don't like it's not our right to know every single detail of the public life but we like feel like it is because we're given access to it but so i should mention this detail it's it's an interesting nugget at the time mariah was known to leave these voice messages on her website kind of the original podcast in a way yeah wow (laughs) trailblazer The night before she checked herself into the hospital, she left despondent voice messages. That's how the media would describe it. Uh, She she said stuff like, I'm trying to understand things in life right now. And I don't really feel like I should be doing music. Um, I'm not sounding defeated because I'm not defeated. I'm just going to do this for me. And I know that the people who care about me will care about me. But... I just can't trust anybody anymore right now because I don't understand what's going on. So because I'm desperately trying to get out of this room and I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, but the truth is that I'm calling to say that I love you to my fans. So that one little piece right there, but I just can't trust anybody anymore is important because at the time nobody knew about what Tommy Mottola was doing behind the scenes. And so people would like pluck that quote and say, oh, look, she's paranoid. But she had a good reason to be because she was being sabotaged behind the scenes right? in production. And also people don't like care about that, like really, because like a lot of times people, I mean, most people don't know how production works and like how the business side of industries work because like, why would we care? So if she even were to be like, they stole my song and like, blah, blah, blah. People would be like, you're psycho. They'd probably say, get over it. Big deal. Move on. Get a new sample, which by the way, she did. 
Right. She reworked the song. She got a new sample. But it screws up the process. Let's be real. All right. Yeah. So let's move on. Remember I mentioned that the media would call her paranoid. I found this Yahoo Travel article. Digging <laughs> deep. Digging Yahoo deep. Travel. I don't know why Yahoo Travel was commenting on the Mariah Carey controversy. But on August 4th, 2001, so we're talking a week after Mariah Carey's hospitalization, they published an article titled, Paranoid Mariah Feared Smear Campaign by X. So she's being mocked by the media for believing that Tommy Mottola is on a campaign to ruin her career. Yet, it's absolutely true. Right. Uh, Tommy Mottola is quoted as saying that he's deeply saddened by Mariah's illness and that any allegations that I have tried to hinder her career are completely untrue. So, of course, he denies it, but Irv Gotti confirmed it. Yeah, right. Plan your trip to South America and, like, all you can find is, like, about the Mariah Carey breakdown. You're like, God damn it, Yahoo Travel. I just want to know which hotel to book. (laughs) Yahoo Travel's having one of those Mariah Carey days. Like, we've all been there, but, like, come on, Yahoo Travel. So, being made fun of for being crazy, but she's not really crazy. She's, like, actually being attacked. Right. So, due to the breakdowns, the Glitter soundtrack and film were pushed back two weeks. The soundtrack was pushed back from August 21st, 2001 to September 11th, 2001, which is a notable date, of course. Okay, and I was like, we sounds really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> the movie would also be delayed from August 31st to September 21st, 2001. Uh, the film and soundtrack were critical and commercial failures. The film would gross $5 million globally. It has a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. The album at the time was panned. It was one of her worst-selling albums. It was a bad time uh, for Mariah. But weirdly enough, the, um, I saw that the Glitter album was number one on iTunes this week. So that see, this is why I did this controversy. Okay. Yep. Wait. So I'll get there. That's the aftermath. Okay. Spoiler alert. Spoilers, or is it just a hint to what's to come? It, it's both. It's it's both a spoiler and a hint of what's to come. Sorry. So, the aftermath. The immediate aftermath is that in January of 2002, EMI Records and Mariah Carey break off their contractual agreement. However, <laughs> they had to pay Mariah Carey $28 million to free itself of the deal. So... Mariah Carey ends up only producing one album for Virgin Records, and they had to pay up a and ton of like money minutes. for it. <laughs> a ridiculous amount of money for it. Wowzers. I mean, it is still less than eight, $80 million, but they didn't right. get product to sell out of it. Exactly. So Mariah Carey quickly moves on. She's still a big superstar. She's not toxic. In May of 2002, she signs a record deal with Universal. She releases her first album under Island Records in December 2002 called Charm Bracelet. However... Oh my God, Charm Bracelets. TBT. Her album that was famously considered her comeback album was the aforementioned The Emancipation of Mimi, released in April 2005. Oh, iconic. Oh. Emancipation of Mimi. Don't get me started. Great album, great comeback. Now, a lot has happened in Mariah 
Carrie's life between 2005 and now, but we're going to pick back up in April 2018 because, like I said, we only wanted to focus on like this scandal and this little sliver of time. So it comes back into play like now, essentially. Yep. So in April of this year, Mariah Carey was actually the subject of People Magazine's cover story, and she revealed for the first time that she was diagnosed for bipolar disorder in 2001 when she was hospitalized for the physical and mental breakdown. Oh, my God. She told people that she just didn't want to believe it. But she said she finally sought treatment recently after what she said was, quote, the hardest couple of years I've been through. So it's just recently, basically, that she finally apparently decided to get professional help and she's on medication, in therapy. Uh, Another quote, until recently, I lived in denial and isolation and in constant fear someone would expose me. It was too heavy a burden to carry and I simply couldn't do that anymore. I sought and received treatment. I put positive people around me and I got back to doing what I love, writing songs and making music. Yes, queen. Overcome your struggles. Mariah Carey also mentions that she thought she had a severe sleep disorder, which I thought was interesting because in a lot of those old news clips I would watch from 2001, right after her breakdown and hospitalization, they would say that Mariah Carey was an insomniac. Um like her hairstylist and different people around her, her assistant. I forget exact their exact titles, but they would say, oh, Mariah Carey never sleeps. She's so constantly working, never sleeps, never sleeps. So in this People article, Mariah Carey says, again, quote, but it wasn't normal insomnia, and I wasn't lying awake counting sheep. I was working and working and working. I was irritable, irritable and in constant fear of letting people down. It turns out that I was experiencing a form of mania. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I would just hit a wall. Now, I bring this up, Rai, to go back to a previous conversation we had, because I think this is such a fascinating revelation, because many people, particularly the media, I think have to hold themselves accountable for how they treated Mariah's public breakdown. You know, the media delighted in her breakdown. As they did for Britney and other stars, we talked about that. And they just made a mockery of it. But it does also seem to me that the conversation surrounding mental health is changing. Right. And we're a lot more aware of how difficult it is to deal with mental health issues. And I think as a society, I, I actually do believe that we are collectively a lot more intelligent and considerate on the subject of mental health. Agreed. Um, it is like a touchy subject because for instance, I didn't know that I didn't know that Mariah had come out and talked about this, like that she has bipolar disorder and all that. So in my head, because of how the media has, you know, displayed her and talked about her, I was just like, oh, she's crazy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think that. Like, I was like, oh, my God, she's just, like, this wild and crazy, like, famous person who, like, obviously, like, super famous people like her live a life that is so unique that majority of people can't relate to. 
So a lot of times when I hear about a celebrity kind of having a breakdown or something, I'm just like, oh my God, well, like all the pressure just got to them and like they finally just snapped because they're so famous that it has to drive you crazy. And I don't know. I feel like even when she like, the thing I made fun of at the beginning of the episode, like when she lip synced on like New Year's Eve or whatever. Right. (laughs) Great TV. Like This revelation adds new context to that moment. Yeah, like now I'm like I feel bad that I like made fun of it a little bit. Feel like, bad. You should feel bad. Okay. Well, hashtag listen to your therapist. I can be forgiven too because I'm realizing it now. But um, no, but that's a part of the evolving conversation, right? It's understanding the way we have talked about these issues and these events, and and you know refining the way we talk about it and having more compassion and understanding for it. Yeah, and not even, like, I don't know. I also feel like I don't, there's a way to talk about it with understanding that isn't also, like, victimizing them. Like, I feel like she, her owning it and, like, her talking about it publicly is her being, like, that's who I am. Like, this is part of who I am. And, you know, in on one hand, it's might be something that helped me become so successful because, you know, my mental disability kind of also was useful in how hard it made me work and how much dedication I put into being an artist. And that's what got me to be so successful. But then on the other hand, it also is what kind of drove me over the edge and made me have these like very public meltdowns. So it's like a double-edged sword, I guess. And I appreciate that she's able to like talk about it publicly without like apologizing for it. Like she shouldn't have to apologize for it. But she's just like, that's what happened. And that's what, you know, that's a part of me and my, you know, personality. And it's part of my work ethic in a way. I I think revealing this publicly is a bit cathartic for sure. Mm -hmm. And I don't think what you just said was wrong either. Here is Mariah Carey herself. She said, quote, I consider the breakdown a breakthrough. I needed to hit rock bottom. However it happened, I needed to understand the cost of pushing so hard, fighting so hard against the system. Right. Which is true. And, I mean... So in some ways, it, it, these low moments, you're right, Rai, can inform your high moments, can help build you up to those high moments. Mm-hmm. I think she's blossomed a lot in her, like, second quarter, second quarter, but her second half of her career, like... All her albums, I feel like, since have been pretty successful, or at least have spawned very successful songs and singles. Maybe not the whole album is iconic, but, like, I just looked at her Spotify, like, page a few minutes ago, and, like, every album after, like, you know, when... Oh, my God, the Glitter soundtrack's not even on here. But, um, (laughs) I don't know, like, from Emancipation of Mimi on, like, every album I'm looking at has, like, multiple very popular hit songs so and on that note on november 16th so less than a week ago mariah released caution oh yeah which has received tons of fanfare and critical praise i haven't listened to the whole whole album yet but i've listened to about half of it i think it's excellent yeah people are absolutely loving it and to tie this all back together the reason why I did this scandal today 
on November 20th is because on November 9th, Mariah Carey's hardcore fans who call themselves Lambily. Have you heard this? No. The Lambs, the Lambily. Okay, no. (laughs) Well, they launched a campaign on November 9th to help Glitter reach number one. They wanted to resuscitate the album, give it new life. And so they created this hashtag called hashtag justice for glitter. (laughs) Oh, I love our generation. And that's why glitter has resurfaced. And you mentioned, Rai, you even heard that it reached number one on iTunes. So people are talking about it again. And people have reframed the conversation around glitter and are talking about how it was sort of doomed from the start because of Tommy Mottola, but also how the album is has aged well. It's actually an album that may have been ahead of its time. So it, it's kind of, this campaign has kind of breathed life into this album that for so long appeared lifeless, just like a lost album that was representative of the low of Mariah Carey's career. And now it's a part of her redemption story. Yeah, it's like literally, I don't know, I always, I never really listened to Glitter, but I remember it always just being kind of like a joke. It was like, oh, remember Glitter? <laughs> it was like that like inside joke that everyone had. So I'm glad that it's being reframed. Yes, Glitter. Also, you know, it's the running joke as well, but Mariah Carey always becomes relevant in December because she has the best Christmas yeah. song of all time. So... She might be having a huger moment than usual because now she has two hit albums and she's about to have another hit holiday song be played 24-7. All I want for Christmas. Don't even get me started, honestly. I (laughs) put that song year-round. It is the best song of our generation. Best Mariah Carey song to date. I mean, that's an amazing song. Oh, God, you guys. Don't tell me you're playing Christmas music year-round. No, no, no. I don't even play Christmas music during Just Mariah Carey. Just that song. Like, okay. I couldn't listen to that song specifically whenever the fuck it gets played. Christmas music in general, don't care. Bye. Canceled. Give us a line. But, Sing it. Which one? Any one from the song. Um, I don't want a lot this Christmas. This is all I'm asking for. And I don't know. Okay, I can't do it. I'm, I, I haven't <laughs> That was that. beautiful, Rai. You... You are a beautiful singer. We need to get Tommy Mottola to Tony Motorola. No, Timmy Motorola. We need him to discover you so he could make you a star. He's the hit maker. (laughs) I don't like that. Okay, what if we got Irv Gotti, though? You could be a part of Murder, Inc. Going back to Tony Motorola, I just have to say I've been wanting to all um, this whole podcast. I don't know her. (laughs) and on that note thank you all for listening uh to this scandal we will be back in two weeks no long hiatus this time rye thank you so much i hope you enjoyed this scandal oh my gosh i enjoyed this one like it's nobody's business because i was brought down memory lane this just brought me lots of very fun fun flashbacks music flashbacks this was a good one. I also and think it's the most you've ever blacked out on a podcast. I'm like still blacked out. I don't. Did we do this? Where? I, no, we haven't started yet. We're about to hit record. Are you ready? Oh my god, my nightmare. <laughs> to speak for more longer than this. More longer. <laughs> uh, 
No, that was a really good choice. Good job, Army. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much, Rai. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Give us five stars and a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And join us next time. See you then. Bye. Bye.